Hi, I'm Erwin McManus, and this is the Mosaic Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're one of our regular listeners, we love the fact that you journey with us. And we pray that every single message inspires you and helps you become the person that God created you to be. Every single week, we send a new message across the world. And everything we do here at Mosaic is made available to everyone in the world for absolutely free. The reason we can do that is that we have incredible people who give generously and sacrificially to make this possible. And I want to invite you to join us. If you're already a giver, thank you so much. If this is something you've not yet done, I want to invite you to start doing that now. Go to mosaic.org slash give and give a one-time gift or even beyond that, become a recurring giver here at Mosaic. And if you're one of those individuals who God has blessed in an amazing way financially, I want to invite you to become one of our partners here at Mosaic. What's really beautiful about Mosaic is that our biggest givers are families who do not live here in Los Angeles, but they are so committed to the message of Jesus going to the world that they support the work here from Los Angeles to the ends of the earth. And so I want to invite you again, go to mosaic.org slash give, become a part of our support system, become one of our partners. And more than anything else, I want you to listen to the message, allow Jesus to speak to you in a way that will change your life. It's been a, a beautiful few weeks, and I've been, I've been all over the map, it feels like, stepping into so many different kinds of experiences. But in the middle of last week, I went to Costa Rica unexpectedly. I had an invitation from a friend, a new friend named Ken, who said, I, I have a relationship with this technologically advanced longevity center that does all of these unique things to help you live longer and more vibrantly, more dynamically, and to war against time. And they're letting me invite someone to come and go through this extraordinary process that costs a ridiculous amount of money for free. Do you want to come? I said, I'm there. So Costa Rica was now a part of my schedule. I went to this place called RMI, and... I didn't even know what they're going to do with me. In fact, I heard a rumor that Mariah told her mom, dad's going to Costa Rica, to die. <laughs> and my kids are you're so irresponsible. You just go do crazy, insane things you do not understand without any information. So that's exactly who I am. So I went down there, and the first day, they took out 100% of my plasma. All of it. It's gone. I don't even understand exactly what happened. They just took it out of one arm and through the other arm, replaced it with a new me. I'm not even the same person I was last week. I'm plasma new. And I saw this bag full of toxins and poisons that all lived inside of me that I was completely unaware of that now we have the technological capacity of extricating those toxins out of me and make me, in a sense, pure again. The next day was more intense. The next day, they had cultivated 10 million stem cells from umbilical cords, and they flushed 10 million stem cells into my body that would activate my body to begin to engage 
at an accelerated rate my own healing. Now, all the reason I bring all this up is because I don't understand it. <laughs> but what I do know is that human ingenuity, human capacity, human imagination, human advancements seem to have no limits. And we're, we're worried about AI with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. And we're worried that one day artificial intelligence will take our jobs, that will do our thinking for us. But I have this really, really strong sense that no matter how advanced AI will ever become, they will never be able to have an epiphany. There's something very unique about human beings. You have these aha moments. Have you, have you ever had that, that aha moment where you just suddenly knew something you didn't know before? That moment where everything you'd ever learned in all your life comes flashing into your system and, and somehow explodes with a, a new thought, a new idea, a new reality. And I wanted to talk to you for a few moments today about how you have epiphanies. Now, I, I know I, I struggled about this, going, this is not what I should do on Sunday morning. But I, I didn't want to share with other people in other places around the world the things that are most fascinating to me and never share them with you. So I decided to talk to you today the way I talk to other places that I travel around the world. I want to talk to you about how to have breakthrough ideas, about how to cultivate within the environment of your own soul an environment where you continuously have Breakthrough epiphanies. In fact, I, I, I went to the dictionary to make sure I understood what an epiphany was. And it says an epiphany is a sudden, intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something, usually initiated by some simple, homely, or commonplace occurrence or experience. In other words, you're just living life, observing the common experiences, just doing what you do, and all of a sudden something explodes in your brain and you come to an insight that will change your life. And then I started thinking about Prometheus. Prometheus was the titan who defied the Greek gods. Prometheus was the one who decided to give humanity fire. He leveraged things in our directions. The gods did not want us to have fire because fire would give us awareness. Fire would allow us to advance as a species, that we would have now unlimited knowledge and technology and civilization. And so Prometheus gave us fire in the Greek mythology. But it was against the will of the gods because, see, a part of the human story is that the gods are always against our advancement. The gods are always against our enlightenment. The gods are always against the future we're creating. And so we always need a Prometheus out there that violates the will of the gods and gives us our advantage to become more than we ever imagined we could become. But I want you to know that even though the Greeks needed to find a way to defy the gods, that wasn't the truth when it comes to the God of Israel. See, the God of the scriptures is not a God that's against your progress. He's not against your advancement. He's not against your enlightenment. He's not against our intellect. He's not against our knowledge. He's not against our imagination. God's not worried that we're going to become too much. 
God is more concerned that we're never going to live up to what he created us to be, not that we're going to become more than he intended. In Jeremiah 33.3, God says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God is actually saying to us, if you'll have a conversation with me, if you will invite me into the conversation inside of your soul, if you will allow me to begin to infuse your imagination with my thoughts, I will blow your mind. He's the opposite of the gods of the Greek pantheon. We're always trying to hold us back. He's the God saying to us, call on me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I will expand your mind. I will erase the boundaries of your imagination. I will move you forward to become the full expression of being fully human. And you don't even know what your limitations are. You think you're at the end of your progress. You're just at the beginning of your progress. By the way, I thought it was interesting that... An epiphany has an antonym. And for those of you who like words, an antonym is the opposite, the binary, polar opposite of a word where they cannot exist in a mutual reality. And the opposite of an epiphany is confusion. What an epiphany brings is clarity. And what God wants to bring into our lives is a clarity that goes beyond human capacity. I've been working on this, this book for the last year or two called Mind Shift. And so I've been studying the human mind and, and focusing on our human capacity perhaps more than I ever have in my entire life. And because of that, I, I've become so aware of my own internal structures and, and, and the internal limitations that I've created within myself. And, and one of the driving motivations in my life this year has been to destroy internal limitations. And I want to challenge you. I, I, I want us to become a place that becomes unexplainable. I want us to be an epicenter of human imagination and creativity. I want this to be the place where invention and innovation emerges. And I want us to prove that God is not the enemy of humanity. That God's not nervous about your talent. God's not scared of your genius. God is not trying to hold back your intellect. God is saying, why are you settling for less when there's so much more inside of you? And, and, and frankly, the reason I was a little nervous to have this talk is that it came to me in an epiphany. As, as many things in my life do, and, and Kim knows this. I mean, uh, six months ago, I, I created a process called the, the, the Seven Frequencies of Communication. And, and I, it was really because on Thursday, uh, Aaron, our, our son in Austin, came to me and said, hey, could, could you create a 15 to 30 minute product so we could just give away to people? And I thought, what, 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 what would have such immense value that would be a real gift to people? And and I just started thinking about human communication, and all of a sudden it just exploded in my mind. I saw it. I saw these 
human frequencies, communication, and I couldn't sleep for three nights. And I remember, I, I, it might have been on a Saturday night or Sunday night, and Kim looked at me in the middle of the night, I'm drenched in sweat. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. It's just all coming. It's just all coming. And yes, I, I'm half insane, but the other part of me is really helpful to humanity. And, and I, I, I couldn't stop. It was just days and days. It just came flooding into my soul. And let me tell you, it's those moments that, that there's something transcendent that happens where you connect it to the eternal. And you realize, I'm going out of my mind, but I think I'm going out of my mind into the mind of Christ. And I like it there. So I want to talk to you about the space inside of you that will create epiphanies. You want to go there with me? The first one is curiosity. Those individuals who have more epiphanies than everyone else are people who remain highly curious. And what I think is so fascinating is that children develop purely on curiosity. They, they, they actually don't develop on survival. Because when you have a baby, you take care of them. They can't, I mean, human babies are just useless, right? I mean, other animals, they just pop out and they, they're horses and, you know, they're, they're antelopes and they're lions, but humans are just, we just lay there. And we have a huge disadvantage of having a massively large head that we cannot lift. And so we're just we're anchored by our brain. Maybe that's a God thing. That we're literally weighed down by the weight of our brains so that we don't move until we can think. So what happens? You're a parent, you feed your kid. You do everything. You change their diapers, you feed them, you bathe them. You move them, they cannot do a thing. And if your child had no curiosity, it would make no progress. But your kid is not satisfied being taken care of. See, that child, no matter how much it's fed, no matter how much it's held, no matter how, no matter how much it's loved, it still wants to lift its head and see the world. And that neck becomes strong because curiosity drives the human journey. And then that, that little infant realizes, if I get some momentum going, I can turn. And then they're on the other side, and they realize, oh, i got to lift. And they get stronger, and then they begin to realize, I can move. I can scoot. And then they start to crawl, and they're never crawling to you. They're crawling from you. <laughs> because every human being that's ever been born is an explorer. And they're driven by curiosity. And the moment they can stop crawling, they start walking. And the moment they can start running, they stop walking. And they run after they walk. And they walk after they crawl. Because humans are created to discover. Human curiosity is the singular fuel that moved you from that anemic position of a newborn to who you are right now. And if you're not making any progress, it may be because you've lost your curiosity. I've always been fascinated by this moment in the scriptures around the life of Moses. I mean, Moses is 80 years old now. I don't know if you know many 80-year-olds, but a lot of them have lost their curiosity. And in Exodus chapter 3, 
Moses is 80 years old, and he's basically lived two long lives. One is the son of Pharaoh, and then now as this shepherd out in the wilderness. It says, the angel of Adonai appeared to him in a fire blazing from the middle of a bush. And I'm, I'm actually reading from the Jewish Bible because I love the translation. It says, he looked and saw that although the bush was flaming with fire, yet the bush was not being burned up. Moshe said, I'm going over to see this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't being burned up. When Adonai saw that he had gone over to see, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moshe, Moshe. He answered, here am I. At the age of 80, it was curiosity that drove Moses into the presence of God. Now, I got to tell you, I meet a lot of people, and I, I'm meeting a lot of 28-year-olds who have lost their curiosity. 22-year-olds who are really not that curious. And in fact, a huge part of the problem in our culture is that we're not curious to learn what people who disagree with us actually think. The reason we're so divided as a culture is that we only want to be around people who think like us and talk like us and believe like us and act like us and walk like us and look like us. Because we lack the curiosity to learn from people who disagree with us. And what I'm fascinated by, by Moses is that Moses was actually driven by his curiosity. And God loved that Moses was curious. And he, when he saw that Moses was moving toward the bush. And I, I love the question Moses asked himself. I'm going over to see this amazing sight and find out why. Curiosity is the drive to understand why. I, when, when I spend time in rooms with only people who believe in God and only people who believe in Jesus, I feel so uncomfortable. I do. I, I just came from one. It makes me very nervous. Because they all say the same thing. And it's cliche after cliche after cliche. And I start getting really anxious going, is this me? And one of the things that makes me nervous is the moment we stop asking the question, why? I want you to have deep convictions, and I want you to never be afraid to challenge your convictions. I want you to have a deep belief in God and a deep belief in Jesus, but I don't want you to be afraid to search science and biology and botany and physics and quantum mechanics because you're afraid somehow it's going to violate your faith. There's no truth in the universe that can violate truth. And Jesus always moves toward truth, and he's always in it. I love this description in Acts chapter 17 about the Bereans. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. The Bible actually commends the people who listened to the scriptures and didn't just accept it. He's, it doesn't commend the people going, oh, yeah, yeah, it sounds right. Well, it's Paul, so it has to be right. See, I don't care who's up here. I don't care if it's me or Pastor Joe. Well, the only one you have to listen to is my wife, Kim. But other than that, you need to always ask why. You need to question everything. You need to take time and examine it. You need to take time and process it. You need to make truth yours. And don't borrow someone else's. 
because that's the drive of human curiosity. And I, I can tell you, I, I, I turned 65 in about 30 days, and I've never been more curious in my entire life. I just have so much to learn, so much to know. In fact, the only thing, I, I'm running out of time to discover. And so I'm just constantly studying and learning and, and exploring in different spaces. One of the reasons I always love going to TED, because with TED, it was like a fire hydrant. I could listen to the world's most brilliant botanists and biologists and physicists and mathematicians and, and social scientists and psychiatrists and psychologists and environmentalists and ecologists. And, and I just would download all this stuff and just sit there all day long, talk after talk after talk after talk. And then and they just go crazy. There's actually a parasite that attaches itself to a beetle that causes the beetle to commit suicide. This is really fascinating. I just... I, I just, I study all the, there's more bacteria around us, and there's actually flesh and blood, so we're actually dynamically more bacterial than we are mammalian. I mean, these things to me just blow my mind, and I don't know if they'll ever matter in my life, but I'll bring him into some talk somewhere because I have just endless curiosity. Are you curious about life? Because if you want to have God-exploded epiphanies in your life, you need to be curious. You need to open your mind. People who believe in God should never lose their curiosity and should always ask the question, why? But if you have curiosity on one side of this diamond, you need to have imagination on the other side. Epiphanies come through people who are endlessly curious and wildly imaginative. Now, in the scriptures, it tells us this, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So right there, he's giving us a, a baseline. God wants to explode in our minds and do more than we could ever ask or imagine. I have a huge imagination. For God to do more than I can imagine, that's a task. But wouldn't it be tragic if our imagination is so small, so one-dimensional, that it's just boring to God? I wonder how many of us are just boring God to death. <laughs> you know, I mean, most of us are like, oh, I don't want to sin and get God mad. How about like, you're just boring. You're just making it miserable for God to watch you. I mean, it, like, I had this conversation with someone last night, a business person. And they said, how do I expand my imagination? I said, hmm, you eat the same food every day, don't you? Goes, yes, I do. Yep, that's so. Where do you go to get coffee? Um, I make it for myself every day. <laughs> so I thought, you eat the same thing? You drink coffee the same place? Where do you work? He goes, I work at home. So you don't even have to drive to work. You just go from your bedroom to your office, drink your own coffee, and live your boring life. <laughs> and you're wondering why you're having problems imagining. So you're going to be easy to fix. You're so bad. <laughs> this, is, this is easy. First of all, go to work every day. How? Get out of your house, walk around the block, pretend you're walking to work. <laughs> and every day walk in a different direction so you don't end up in the same repeated boring pattern. Don't be cheap. Go buy coffee at different places. Once a week, take your wife to eat in restaurants that you've never eaten in and try food you've never tasted and have experiences you've never had and stop boring yourself to death. 
And, and, and even with the scriptures, come to the Bible with a wide open imagination. I, I have things I think about the Bible I don't tell you guys. Because I, I, I don't want my wife to, to be nervous. Because so many times she said to me, please don't say that publicly. But just, just for a moment, you know, just, just like, I'm not saying it's so. I'm just saying it could be so. See, God said to humanity, I want you to rule over the animals that walk on the ground and, and, and the fish that swim in the ocean and the birds that fly in the air. Well, we're only really equipped to do one. We're only equipped to rule over the animals on the ground. We're not really equipped to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air because we can't breathe underwater and we can't fly in the air. So really, he gave us a job that he did not equip us for. But maybe that's where mythology comes from. See, maybe that's why we have a mythology of, of ancient Greeks and Romans and Egyptians and Norse, and we also have all of the mythology of Marvel and, and DC, and we have the mythology of Atlantis and Aquaman, because maybe before the fall of man, we could breathe underwater, and we had cities underneath the ocean. And maybe the mythologies of Superman and all those heroes who fly are really the, the phantom memory of humanity before we were actually limited by the fall. Maybe we actually could explore and dwell and live in a broader universe. Maybe we were never supposed to be limited by the atmosphere. I, I, I'm just saying that, that it just seems odd that we have an ever-expanding universe and we're stuck here on this one little planet and we have no way to get off. It's like a trap. Are you feeling claustrophobic? I feel claustrophobic. I want off. See, I, I think we're living with limited capacity that we are just so unaware of because we're so used to being less. We were falcons, but now we're chickens. The chicken is a bird that forgot it could fly. You know how you domesticate a wild animal? You feed it and you keep it safe. And most of us, we just want to get fed and protected, and we'll give up the adventure with a blink of an eye. But imagine, I think Noah's Ark. I think, oh, well, what about Noah's Ark? And I think, well, maybe Noah's Ark was actually an interplanetary story of humanity actually living in another galaxy. And the story of Noah's Ark is when that planet was destroyed and we traveled across the universe and landed on this planet and Noah and his family were the only survivors of that civilization. And now it's the new story. I know you think I'm out of my mind, but I am. You see, because, because your imagination is out of your mind. Your imagination has no boundaries, no borders, no limitations. And you're allowed to go wild dreaming. By the way, the whole movement of Jesus, it says that we will have dreams and visions. See, the, the whole mood of Jesus is not about accountants and managers. It's not about legalists and judges. It, it, the, the whole mood of Jesus is supposed to be about dreamers and visionaries. That, that means when you connect to God, your imagination is supposed to erupt and have dreams all the time and visions all the time. God is wanting to expand your imagination. And when you live a curious life and an imaginative life, you're creating the environment for an epiphany where God can speak into your soul and erupt what you cannot see without his eyes. But, but it doesn't end there. I, I need to take just a couple more places, if you'll go with me. You need to have curiosity and imagination. But then the other dynamic that creates epiphanies is experience. You have to live a life that is fully alive. Epiphanies come to people 
who treasure life, who live life fully, richly, dynamically, beautifully, and sometimes dangerously. I, I was thinking about one of the great epiphanies in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen it as an epiphany, but one of the great epiphanies in the Bible is, is David when he goes to war against Goliath. I'm going to go back here. David shows up on the front line. Goliath has been taunting all the Israeli warriors, and nobody wants to fight Goliath because it's obvious Goliath will win. David shows up delivering cheese and volunteers. And Saul replies to David, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the Lord, of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, well, go ahead. <laughs> he said, go, the Lord be with you. Now, see, the epiphany was not, oh, I can kill a giant. The epiphany was not, oh, God can kill a giant through me. That was not the epiphany. See, the epiphany was, how do you kill a giant? You know what when they say you don't, you don't, you don't take a, a knife to a gunfight? You don't take a sword to a sword fight against a giant. <laughs> See, the epiphany for David was that if God wants this to happen, he has a way that has never been done for it to happen. And David takes a slingshot. The epiphany was the slingshot. Can you imagine? Here's David trying Saul's armor, but that's not the epiphany. That's... That's doing things the way they've always been done. That's living in the past and trying to take the past into the future. That's limited thinking and a fixed mindset that it always has to happen this way. And David couldn't even carry the weight of the armor, so he finally takes it off and he just grabs his slingshot. You can imagine every warrior going, what is this kid doing? He's out of his mind. And Goliath is probably looking at him going, what do you think? That I'm a dog, that you bring a stick? Well, see, if you're David, you're thinking, if this is like mano a mano, I'm dead. If this is tight quarters, it's over. If I fight the giant with the rules that are leveraged in the giant's favor, the giant wins. A lot of you are wondering why you're not killing giants. And you think, well, God, you're not coming through. God, look at me. I'm miserable. God, I'm just struggling. I'm just surviving. My life is so boring. I'm in a rut. Nothing ever changes. And God's trying to tell you, then take off the stupid armor and pick up the slingshot because I have a new way of doing new things through you. But that only came to David because of the journey he'd been on. I love his resume. There was a lion, he came to eat one of the sheep, and I just chased the lion. 
grabbed it, killed it, took care of it. There was a bear, had the same idea, I did the same thing. How many people, if you are taking care of someone else's sheep, it's your father's sheep, but it's not your sheep. And you know, losing sheep, it's just, it's just part of the business. The lion takes the sheep, you save the rest. You save the 99, you lost the one, who cares? Oh, someone. And through his experience, he created the environment where God could teach him and show him, this is how you're going to win this battle. Epiphanies happen when you live life deeply and richly, beautifully, wonderfully, and you live outside of the boundaries of your fear. Yet, our son Aaron went to London a few weeks ago, and and him and one of his friends, Robbie, they just switched houses. So you came to L.A., you went to London, and doesn't really know anybody, didn't know what he's going to do. He's just going to work from there and experience life in a new way. And we've been watching 1923. And he said, Dad, I need to go hunt lions. I've never been happier in my whole life. See, I think we need to start hunting lions if we're ever going to be able to kill giants. And a part of the reason you do not have epiphanies is that your life doesn't need them because your life doesn't have enough adventure, enough challenge. Your obstacles are too small to need an epiphany. You just need an epiph. I want to live a life so big that if God doesn't show up, I'm dead. I want to live a life so extraordinary that I will never look on a day in my life and say I was bored that day. I want to live a life that is so textured that even at 65, I'm experiencing things in a new way. I want to challenge you. If you're 25, have more guts than me. Live a more adventurous life than me. Have more courage than me. Fight more lions than me. Fight more bears. And then don't be an idiot. Don't use the sword or the club. Find your slingshot. It'll come like an epiphany. You won't even know. You won't even be able to explain it. Except it comes through one other aspect in the universe of your soul. If you want to have epiphanies, those breakthrough ideas, you need to be curious and imaginative. And you need to experience life deeply and richly and beautifully. You need to have the courage to step out of your comfort zone. But you also need to live a life of reflection. Epiphanies come when there's curiosity and imagination and experience and then reflection. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, God says this to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Here it is. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written within it. 
then you'll be prosperous and successful. God is saying to Joshua, I'm sending you into a future and it is not a future that will be calm or safe, predictable. I'm going to send you into a future that's going to require courage, bravery, honor. I'm sending you into a battle and I'm telling you that you will be prosperous and successful if you will trust me. But the only way you're going to find this courage is if you meditate on my words, if you listen to my voice and you trust me as you move forward. I can tell you, I, I cheat. I cheat all the time. I don't know. I don't know where some of the things that come into my head come from. I just say, God, thank you. I, we were driving down Vine through Hollywood a few years ago, Kim and I. And I'm driving down the, down the street and I hear this voice in my head. It said, the warrior is not ready for battle until he has come to know peace. This is the way of the warrior. It sounded like Ken Wantanabe from The Last Samurai, to be honest with you. And, and I remember in that moment, I looked at Kim and I said, I know the title of my next book and I know the first line. I cannot explain to you how it just came. I can tell you over and over again in my life, when I wrote my first book, I wrote it in 24 hours. And it just came and it just poured into my soul. And I have lived my life with a distinct advantage I have not shared with you. I live my life epiphany after epiphany after epiphany because there's a connection that I have with the creator of the universe. And when I call on him and ask him, he shows me unsearchable things I could not imagine. And I want that for you. We don't have a Prometheus that will steal fire from the gods and give it to you. But we have Jesus who will not give you fire. He will give you himself and place within you his fire and his spirit. Some of you are terrified of the future. I remember one of the last TED conferences I ever went to. Chris Anderson, everyone seemed so afraid of the future of AI, so afraid of the possibilities of artificial intelligence. And I, I just keep thinking to myself, <laughs> when they first brought fire home, everyone must have been terrified. And the first time they messed up and burned down the whole village, it probably just confirmed. And, and the, the first time they finally started harnessing electricity, it must have been terrifying. And eventually they figured it out. And every time something happens, it's the internet, it's going to destroy the world. Y2K, going to end everything. AI, it's the end of humanity. And everybody's worried about how much consciousness artificial intelligence could have. You know what I'm worried about? Is how much consciousness human beings will have. You should never worry about what you're creating being more powerful than you. You should be worried that you're not living as powerful as you're designed to become. And there, and there is a God who wants to speak to you. He wants to whisper into your soul. And it, it may not be a breakthrough idea of this is how you're going to transport humanity to another galaxy or this is how you're going to end the crisis with fossil fuels or this is how you're going to cure cancer. And I hope some of you get those epiphanies. 
But I am absolutely certain that God wants to speak. He wants to breathe into your life and give you the epiphanies you need to live the life he created you to live. He wants to whisper into your soul, you are made for more than the life you're living. There's more in you than you could ever know. How many of you would be honest enough to say you are bored with your life? Because there's a life you're created to live that will wake you up every day going, oh God, thank you for this life. I am a profoundly imperfect human being with massive flaws and inadequacies. But I love life. And I am overwhelmed by the generosity of God. I cannot even believe I get to live this life. And I look back and I remember being 10 years old and feeling so broken and so inadequate and sitting in a psychiatric chair being basically told by people in my life that I was never going to accomplish anything or do anything meaningful with my life or have any unique talent or ability. And I look back on that kid and I look at the life I have been gifted. And I'm telling you, you are underestimating who God is and who you could become in him. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? You may be here today and you've been wondering if you should trust God with your life. And I, I want to tell you that without God, you will never fully know what life is. See, Jesus didn't come to improve you. He came to transform you. He wants your life to be an epiphany, a life of clarity and beauty and wonder. He wants your life to take your breath away. And that mythology of Prometheus giving us fire is just a shadow of God giving us his son. Because what we need is Jesus to change us from the inside out. And if you're here right now and you want the life that God created you to live, you want to live in that connection where God is giving you breakthrough ideas all the time and helping you live the life you're created to live, I want you right now just to pray a simple prayer with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And I want to be clear, the life you're giving to him doesn't compare to the life he's going to give you. So the reason I'm inviting you to give your life to him is because he has a better life to give you. This is an upgrade. And if you're here in this moment, we're in South Pasadena, in this moment, and you are ready to cross the line of faith and put your trust in Jesus. And if you prayed this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to raise your hand right now, just boldly, courageously, without hesitation, and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I want the life you've created me to live. Anyone else right now? I don't want anything less. I want it all. I want to be greedy for life. I want you to fill me with joy and hope and peace and love. 
beautiful. Father, I thank you for all these who have opened up their lives to you. For those who have invited you, Jesus, to come into their life, may you be the fire that sets the light on within their soul. May you become the source of every epiphany. May you bring clarity to them as they live their lives and beauty and wonder as they step forward and trusting you. And I pray, God, that you would expand the universe within them, that you would make them endlessly curious and expand their imagination and deepen their experience of life. And may they reflect on what you're saying to them in the midst of it. And they would hear your voice and know that you have erupted inside of their brains what they could not know without you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are not limited by what's in us that when you come to dwell within us, we are limitless in our capacity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Can we just thank God for those who responded to him today? I know today is a little different than a lot of Sundays, but I want you to begin this week to experiment, to begin to connect to God in such a way where you're listening for his voice and looking for those breakthrough moments where God just pours an epiphany into your soul. And sometimes, you know what it can be? The smallest thing in saying, I want you to serve that person. You see that person, they need you in their life. You see that opportunity, I want you to take them to dinner. Most of the epiphanies that God gives us are really about how we can become most human and connect to each other. So I want to challenge you this week. Start listening. Let God explode your brain and watch God expand your mind. Watch him expand your imagination. You're going to get smarter. You're going to become wiser. And people are going to wonder what in God's name happened to you. And you're going to say, that's exactly right. God bless. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Mosaic Podcast. As God has spoken into your life, one of the things that Jesus teaches us is that when we've been invested in, we need to also become investors. And I wanna encourage you right now, if Mosaic is one of the platforms from which you grow spiritually, you connect more deeply to God and your faith with Jesus becomes more real, I wanna encourage you right now to go to mosaic.org and become one of our givers. Give a one-time gift, become a recurring giver. Mosaic isn't just a church in Los Angeles, Mosaic, is all of us working together.